Uh, all right. Ready to answer some questions, kids? Yes, no? Right. We just need something cute to look at this morning. All right, we have a lot of them gone. I don't know if I need a mic or not, so everybody could hear you. Maybe I'll just put one in the middle here. I don't know. You can yell? Okay. All right, so uh, anybody know where we're going to go here that we're studying? I mentioned it in Sunday school. What verse did I ask you if you learned, if you had memorized? John 3.16. So we're going to be in the book of... John in the chapter of the, the three, the third one, the chapter of three. Okay, that, I was leading you wrong there, Sophia. Um, anyway, there's a, you know, I, I was skimming through some people that talk about it, right, this chapter, and I know we quote him a lot, but one of the statements I thought that was really neat came from Warren Wearsby, and he just made a couple a really interesting observation about there's three musts in John chapter 3. Must. You know what that word means? Anybody? Jesus told tells them in this chapter, Nicodemus, that you must be born again. So what what does must mean? How how what do we need to do? in life. You know of any must? Okay. What we must do? Believe. Okay. So let's just back it off. Let's try not to be too uh, theological. Okay. Let's let's back away. Are there some things that we have to do to live? Yeah. What? Eat. Yes. How long do you think we could live without eating? One hour? Woo! I'm with you, Ava, right there, yeah. (laughs) A month? Yeah, that's pretty close. Without food and water, they say around 21 days. I think that's a long time, right? Without food, maybe longer. But water, you, you need water more than you need food. Did you realize that? You realize that? You could live a lot longer without food than you can without water, right? And we should know in agriculture, what, what, what do our critters need? Water. And what should we check every day in the winter to make sure they have? Water. water. We'll feed them, but don't forget the water, right? If the water's froze up, which I don't know what that is this year, but, you know, right? That, that's pretty serious if they don't have water. Right? Even in the winter, even when it's cold, right? What else do we need? So we must have water, and we kind of need food. Breathe. Right. Now that's closer to your hour, but we need to breathe every every minute, don't we? So then we go back and let's get back to being theological, Ava. You ready? Okay, in this passage it says we must be born again. 
And that's kind of crazy, isn't it? So let's say we must believe in Jesus, and we'll talk about the rest, right? So about like breathing and eating and drinking water, we need who? God. Yes. To be born again. We need to be born again, but we need Jesus, right? And so that's what we're going to talk about. I just wanted to, so kids up here, right? And we got some really cute ones over here on this side, right? What are some things you guys need? A sucker? All right, well, we'll talk after church. Yeah, suckers are very important, aren't they? But let, just like we need a, you know, food or suckers or candy, more importantly, we need Jesus. And so, kids, we pray that, oh, I wasn't very fast. I didn't even see that happening. All right. We need Jesus, okay? And so we're going to pray and ask the Lord to guide us to understand this truth, okay? Lord, we thank you for all that you've done. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to see our need for you, that we must be born again. We must look to you, Jesus, to live. That is to believe and who you are, and what you've done. And so I pray that these kids fully understand that. Those that have yet to to turn to you by faith, Lord, that they would do so. And uh, that the ones that have will grow up and, and live out that faith daily. Knowing that having a relationship with you is just as essential as breathing. And we thank you, Lord, for this morning and this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thanks, kids. You can go back. Our kids grow up way too fast. Uh, good thing I hear babies in the background. Uh, I need to find my Bible here. So would you all turn to John chapter 3, um, recap just a little bit of what we were talking about with the kids. Um, in John chapter 3 here. And, you know, the, the title is not... Uh, well, the title is somewhat simplistic here um, as we look at this passage. Um, that is, Jesus gives eternal life. And the reality here as we get into this passage is and what you, we all should grasp, and I, and I trust that we've grasped this already, is spiritual life is obtained only through Jesus. It's, it's given only through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this title being somewhat simplistic is still important for us to understand the major promises from the Bible. And what we find here in John chapter 3 is is a a loved passage. We all love this passage, I would speculate, right? Anybody not love John chapter 3? I mean, John, you, you look at this passage and there used to be, and maybe there still are people that go to uh, football games, go Chiefs. Um, there, there's my plug. And you would see in the end zone when they kicked the field goal, someone holding up a sign of John 3.16. And maybe there still are people that hold up the, those signs instead of saying who the goat is, you know, greatest of all time, when we know it's Jesus, but in football, it's, you know, going to be Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but no, uh, 
But they hold up all these signs, and hopefully there's people holding up signs about passage of, passages of the Bible, and one of the most beloved passages is John 3.16, right? Because we see the love of God proclaimed in Scripture, for God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will or shall not perish, but have eternal or everlasting life. The question is, I don't know, maybe they still are holding these up uh, and, and are a wonderful um, mainstream uh, television crews aren't zone, zooming in on them like they used to. But we must come to the reality or to understand the truth. Our culture needs this truth to believe in Jesus and to understand that God's love is revealed in what Jesus Christ has done upon the cross. And in fact, that simply that He came. So we're very blessed as, as families to know Jesus, to know this truth as a church. Our culture would be blessed to know this truth. They need to know this truth. We need to work maybe even all that much harder to get this truth out to our culture, to our nation. And, you know, especially when we look at, for me, it's been kind of an emotional week, right? Um, I think Dandy's handled a lot of things better than I have. I am so very thankful uh, for my family and that my family knows the Lord Jesus Christ by and large. There are some I'm praying for. <laughs> um. But I'm so very thankful for what God has promised us in His Word. Because spiritual life is, is obtained only through Jesus. And so, as I was browsing through, uh, as I mentioned earlier, a lot, several commentaries and what they, they said, Warren Wiersbe said, there, there are three musts. There is the must of the sinner in John 3.7, the must of the Savior, John 3.14, and the must of the servant in John 3.30. So I believe... We'll look at the must of this passage in light of the main truth that spiritual life is obtained only through Jesus. First, we find you must be born again. All right? You must be born again. There we go. Um, new birth occurs through the Spirit by faith. And so in John 3, 1 through 13, let me just read this. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a, as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. 
I, I want you to see that comparison. I'm getting ahead in my notes here real quick, but I do believe the context here. When you look at the comparison, the water and the spirit, and then the next verse 6, born of flesh is flesh and the spirit of spirit, is that we had to be born through ambionic fluid. Okay, wonderful picture, right? Of the water, that I believe is pointing to physical birth. Okay? Not baptism. Physical baptism. Because that would go against the rest of Scripture, for one. But secondly, in this passage, simply looking at this context, he's making a comparison. Hey, you have to be born first place, physically, and now you have to be born of the Spirit. Okay? Moving on. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, or verily, verily, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe it? Believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And, and really, verse 14 and 15 go with what he just said. But the reality here is that they did not trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and his miracles in his teaching, and who he is. And so he say, you know, throughout John you see this reality that no one really knows the Father except the Son who came forth from the Father. Believe in Jesus, Nicodemus. Believe in Jesus, religious leaders. And so we come back and we find first and foremost this, this concept, and, and a lot of us even use it sometimes in describing who we are. I'm a born-again Believing Christian. I'm a born-again Christian, okay? That is, I have come to faith in Jesus Christ and I've been changed from the inside out. But the reality is, is, is this new birth is a must. And remember John 1, 13 and 14? Turn back a couple of pages here with me. John 1, 13 and 14 says, um, uh, actually, I'm, I'm wrong, 12 and 13, verse 12 and 13 says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Do you see the commonality here? What John's trying to get across Okay, you've been brought in by, you know, the will of your parents, okay? Uh, maybe a weak will, you know? Some, oh, anyway. <laughs> um, but by the will of man, you have been born, but you cannot earn your way to heaven. You cannot earn your way into the kingdom of God. You cannot do it by your own power, by your will, by your strength, by whatever it is you do, nor by being born into the right family. You have to believe in the name, in the personal work of Jesus Christ. And so Nicodemus here is coming to him, and he knows these things, but has he believed? You must believe and be born again, Jesus is telling him. 
The new birth is a must. Um, this, this born again is the same Greek word for regenerates, okay? The spirit regenerates. Uh, some translations may say born from above, but it, this is, could be regenerate or born again. And this really means to be made new. Titus 3.5 has the same word when it says regeneration. In Titus 3.5 it says, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to the mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Who is the one that does the work? It is the Holy Spirit who indwells the believer and makes them new. Okay? And, and there's a lot of things that we could talk about in this passage and really dig deep into it. But just simply put, when he talks about the Spirit, okay, and it's interesting, pneuma can mean wind or Spirit. You can't control Him. And so you're not really even praying to the Holy Spirit. You're praying and looking to, by faith, in Jesus Christ. And then the Spirit indwells and makes you new. You're born again. You can't make it happen. You simply have to trust in Jesus. You have to believe upon Him and what He has done. And then the Holy Spirit makes you new. He regenerates you. You are born again. There's this rebirth. And it causes a radical change of mind. And really, eyes are opened at that point in time to the things of God. And we have new spiritual life. We are then given a new eternal life. We're in then at that point in time the kingdom of God. So we're saved by grace through faith through the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. So the discussion changes to the work of the Holy Spirit in this passage at the act of rebirth. And just, just so we all understand, he's saying here, you cannot achieve this new life by your will, your own will. And we are given new life through the Holy Spirit, the moment of faith in Jesus. And so this is a confrontation for Nicodemus, who is a religious leader. And we can talk about or discuss, well, why did he come at night? Maybe Jesus was busy all day. I don't know. A lot of people believe he didn't want to be seen. But he is, in, in some part, coming on behalf He uses this word we once or twice in this passage. And when Jesus says you, there's this uh, plural sense of the word. And he's not just saying Nicodemus needs to believe. All of his, his religious buddies, religious leaders, need to believe. Now Nicodemus is the only one there. Nicodemus is really one of the only we see in later on who had probably believed because of his actions and what he does. But Jesus is telling them, you guys know and you've seen me and you've seen the miracles, you've heard my teaching, believe that knowledge has to become faith. Just because you know doesn't mean you believe. Now, when 1 John, when we see him use the word know, it's an intimate relationship word of know. Not just a mental head knowledge as a demon's know, but is it a real true 
belief. It has to move beyond the knowledge into a real, true, heartfelt, full belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done. And so the confrontation is in verse 7. Believe in Jesus. He is the only way. You know, uh, our dog has a tumor on her throat right here. And it's, it's gotten worse. And that's kind of where one of my illustrations has come from in that. It's, it's making it harder for her to breathe without having to cough. She's eating less and less and she's drinking. I hope she's still drinking a lot of water. But these are very necessary for life, right? And the, the concept or the idea here is, you know, we must do things. And one of the musts is we must be born again. That, therefore, we must individually, you must believe. You can't rely on the fact that your parents have believed. You can't rely on the fact that you've been raised up in a church or that you've heard the message or that you have this head knowledge. You have to turn to Jesus Christ. It is a must. Just as, just as and if not more important than if you were to breathe right now. So those of us who believe right now, that is the most important thing that we've ever done. And if we were to lose our breath, we will be with Him. So, the most important thing, the most important must beyond breathing, eating, and drinking is to know Jesus as your Savior. Because without Jesus, as Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 says, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. And as it says here in John chapter 3, we are already condemned in our sins. So we must be born again. Spiritual life is obtained only through Jesus. The second must here as we look at this passage is Jesus had to finish his purpose, his work in verses 14 through 21. Um, it says, as Moses lived, and so in verse 13, he continues on. He says, I mean, you have to believe in me. I, I am God the Son. I descended from the Father, uh, from heaven. Verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. That is, in Jesus, the one who's going to be lifted up. Verse 16, for God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And kids, listen up, kids. Re remember, no matter how good life is or how bad life is, your circumstance or what you're going through at that moment doesn't depict how God loves you. The reality that Jesus came and died on the cross, that's how we know how much God loves us, okay? Jesus loves you not because of and don't, don't believe it by the emotions of the, mo the moment, but on the reality of what Jesus has done in the past and what it's doing now and what he's going to do, okay? So John 3, 16 is crucial, but go on. I mean, God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. Now, we could stop there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hey, let's go home. But it goes on. We're stopping in the middle of the passage. Okay? There's a reality. Why did Jesus have to do what He did? Look. 
18, he who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world. Oh, going back to John chapter 1, right? Light has come into the world, and the men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Folks, people are dying in their sins. They have been judged already. And so it's important for us to remember, even though, praise the Lord, we may know Jesus is our Savior, we know where we're going, but the world, there's a lost and dying world out there. Eternal life occurs through the finished work of Jesus. And it says in this passage, Jesus will and he must be, in verse 14, be raised up. He had to finish the work on the cross. And in 14 and 15, we have this, this, this picture of what took place in the Old Testament in Numbers 21. And, and in this passage, I just want to remind you, Jesus knew this would happen. And Jesus knew, remember in verse 24 and 25 of the last chapter, chapter 2, what was in men? <laughs> the rejection of him. The rejection of the light. And so we come back here and we see he knew what was going to happen, but he still had to do it. Jesus was sent to bring life, but he had to die to bring that life. And so this this illustration in verse 14 and 15 uh, makes me think of the song, Look and Live. And and some of them I asked, they didn't know the song, but look and live, my brother, live, look to Jesus now and live is recorded in his word hallelujah right you know that one you have to look and live look to jesus and we have all just like them in the wilderness right it's back to numbers 21 they were bitten by the serpent the standard was raised god told moses to raise that serpent on a standard and if they would but look God would heal them. Can you imagine being the one? Knowing this is a cure. I mean, there's a lot of things today we say, oh, this is a cure? Okay, I won't get into it. But anyway, (laughs) and they have yet to prove it. But anyway, here we have a serpent on a standard. Can you imagine being the stubborn one, knowing that this is what God has said, lying there, dying, and refusing to just... Look, but the reality is with that standard, they had to believe, oh, this is going to cure me. Maybe even if it's just the size of a mustard seed, enough just to just turn your head and look. Or maybe they're in their tent. They had to crawl out their tent and look. And they'd be saved. Jesus is the one we need to look to by faith. And the world needs to understand this. It's, it, it, salvation is no one and no one else. There's no un, other name under heaven which we are given that we must be saved. Okay? I think I slaughtered that verse in Acts, and I believe Acts 4 or something. But here, you know, there's this progression. In Numbers 21, there was a progression. 
There was their rebellion to begin with, to judgment. They were being judged to confession and salvation. And that's where we find ourselves. The world is still re- rejecting. If, you're re- if you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior by faith, you are still in rebellion to God. And Nicodemus and his religious leaders were still in rebellion to God until they believed. They may have seen all these truths, but they had not yet accepted the reality. So there's judgment because of that rebellion. They needed to turn and believe. Just like in Numbers 21.8. Numbers 21.8 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard, and it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he will live. And everyone in this world today is bitten by sin. And they're dying. Actually, really, if you go to Ephesians chapter 2, they're already dead. But they still have the power to look and live. They still have the ability to believe and be saved. As long as there's breath in them. But we have to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Even no matter how small we think that response needs to be, there still has to be a response. There still has to be a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way. Yet He had to die. So there's a must of what Jesus had to do. He had to die. He had to go through with it. And He did. So we know Jesus loves us kids, right? Because of what He went through on our behalf. Finally, okay, let's see how quickly we can sum this up. I would like to read through this passage, but it's just fascinating. I'm just going to point out a couple of verses. Um, and and as, as followers of Jesus Christ, and so we've looked and lived, and, and like John the Baptist, we have to understand it's not about me. You know, it, if I was some great running back or linebacker, you know, uh, I'd have to realize, okay, when I, do in the end, when I get into the end zone and after I do my little dance, you know, oh, I don't know. If I point to Jesus in the sky, am I living it every day? Or am I still thinking it's about me and I'm just giving him a little credit? Just, just a little credit, right? You ever wonder about that? Are we living our lives? Let's take it away from football. Go Chiefs. Are we living our lives in such a way that we're thinking, okay, I'm doing really good and I'll give Jesus just a little bit of credit? What did John the Baptist do? He said, he must increase, I must decrease. In our lives, are we saying, Jesus must increase, I must decrease? Where do we stand in that? God's servant must point to Jesus, right? And so we go down to verses 22 through 30, and we we see um, verse 30, he must increase but I must decrease. Um, John says in verse 27, ministry, his ministry is from God. In verse 28, he says, he is not the Christ Jesus is. How many of us, I mean, we don't even get that far. I mean, yeah, I know, I'm not the Messiah. <laughs> Jesus is. Well, John the Baptist was there at that time. He was pointing to Jesus before Jesus came and people were following him. It's not about him it's about Jesus. Verse 29, the groom gets the bride, not the best man. It's about the groom and not the best man. Or brides, uh, bridesmaids, maid of honor. It's not about you. It's about the bride, right? 
You're not the star of the show. Okay, girls, young girls, remember, if you ever become the uh, maid of honor, it's not about you, it's about the bride, okay? Just remember that. Grooms, groom men, it's about the groom, bridegroom, right? You don't, you don't steal the show, okay? That's what John's saying. Everybody knows this, even in their culture, with their differences when they were married. It was about the bridegroom and the bride. Even though the best man celebrates, and we can celebrate, and so we see in verse 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. It's all about Jesus. This life is all about Jesus. I have to tell myself multiple times, especially on bad days. On bad days, I don't tend to get that far. Right? We Remember, when we're going through tough things, you know, it's still about the Lord to bring glory to Him and how I respond. It's still about the Lord. In verse 31 through 36, again, it's very similar to what Jesus was saying earlier. Jesus is from, from heaven. He's from above. He speaks the Word of God. In verse 33, um, it, He who has received His testimony has set His seal to this, that God is true. As if you believe in Jesus, you believe in what God has said. For He whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for He gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son, and, and there's more to that, but we don't have time. The Father loves the Son and has given all things, right, into his hand. Just a few things? How much authority does Jesus have? Just a little bit? No, all, right? In life today, we see people making decisions. Some we agree with, some we disagree with, and and the ones we disagree, of course, we're frustrated and we don't like that, right? The ones we agree with, maybe... Hopefully they're right, and hopefully we're on the same page with the Lord. But remember, even no matter what decisions are made, privately or publicly, Jesus still has the authority, and your people are only allowed to make those as God permits. Now it gets a whole other conversation when we say, well, why, right? Why did you permit that evil? Why did you permit that sin? But God's still in control. Don't forget that. And if He's in control, we can trust. Remember, the answer of our prayers is timing and His decision. Remember verse 36. What a great encouragement for all of us. We have eternal life if we have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's more in verse 36. Um, Remember in verse 36, here at this time, there's people like Nicodemus who knew, but they would not accept the authority of Jesus Christ or believe that He is the Messiah. You begin to obey the Son when you believe in Him. And again, we're reminded people are already dead in their trespasses and sin, but the wrath of God abides on him, those who have not turned to him. You know, there's a lot of musts in life. 
I must get up in the morning. Right? I guess most mornings. <laughs> I must put my clothes on if, if I'm not going to scar people. Right? Uh, or, well, January we need to be warm usually. Not this year, I guess. But uh, um, I must have water and food. I must breathe. But remember, we must turn to Jesus for eternal life. And, you know, we tr- I trust you have all placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So where do we leave it then? Well, you have to be involved. It's about Jesus. We have to be reaching this culture for Christ. We have a great opportunity. When things are the, the darkest, right? What's that statement? The light shines brighter, right? Something to that effect. I messed it up. The light shines brightest when it's the darkest. So we must tell others about Jesus. It's a great opportunity. When we look at this world, we can say it's a great opportunity to to declare the glory of God and point people to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we we come before You. We thank You for this wonderful uh, passage that teaches us of Your great love for us. Uh, Teaches us to the the reality of eternal life in you, Lord Jesus Christ. We, We also see some wonderful teachings about not only how we need to believe, but how we can point others to you. That that it's about you, Lord Jesus. Help us not to forget that every great great blessing we receive, every wonderful um, day every difficult day, every heart-wrenching moment, every one of those, those things, so every one of those times is a, gives us the ability to proclaim Your great love, to proclaim our faith in You, to point other people to You. Help us to be aware of, of that wonderful opportunity in good times and in bad that we can point others to You. And we do ask, Father, on the basis of what Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, has done, that You would forgive us when we fail in those moments. When we become selfish and self-centered. When we respond in ways that are not glorified. Give us the, the ability, the insight, the wisdom that is, and the strength to respond in godly ways and to point others to You. We thank You for this this morning that we could come together. We ask that You'd be with all of our brothers and sisters who are are facing illnesses um, or major problem health problems and guide them today to see how blessed they are to have You as their Savior. In Jesus' name, Amen. Do we have some... Kids?